How do your clients plead? Uh, my clients are caught completely by surprise. They thought they were getting arrested for uh, shoplifting a can of tuna. What are you telling me? That they plead not guilty? No, I I'm just trying to explain. I don't want to hear explanations. The state of Alabama has its procedure. And that procedure at this point in time is to have an arraignment. Are we clear on this? Uh, yes, but uh, there seems to be a great deal of confusion here. Mr. Gambini. Uh, see, my clients... Uh... Uh, Mr. Gambini. All I ask from you is a very simple answer to a very simple question. There are only two ways to answer it, guilty or not guilty. But Your Honor, my clients didn't do anything. Once again, the communication process is broken down. <clears throat> it appears to me that you want to skip the arraignment process, go directly to trial, skip that, and get a dismissal. <laughs> well, I'm not about to revamp the entire judicial process just because you find yourself in the unique position of defending clients who say they didn't do it. Now, next words out of your mouth are either going to be guilty or not guilty. I don't want to hear commentary, argument, or opinion. If I hear anything other than guilty or not guilty, You'll be in contempt. I don't even want to hear you clear your throat. I hope I've been clear. Now, how do your clients plead? <laughs> Sometimes you can still lose even if you really try Talking about the dream like the dream is over Talk like that won't get you nowhere Everybody's trusting in the heart like the heart don't lie This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from uh, my cousin Vinny. And, you know, I look at, see what's going on with Hunter Biden. And he gets subpoenaed to a deposition, doesn't show up. Then they have a contempt of Congress, and he shows up. And then he gets up, and he does it. You know, it appears you want to skip the arraignment. Go directly to trial, skip that, and get a dismissal. And just go, you know what, this guy, you know, and the, and the Democrats have the gall to to support that and defend that. And it's just amazing to me that, you know, we have two systems of justice and we're going to talk about a little later about the whole Hunter Biden debacle and, and, uh, his little chaotic antics to try and 
have things his way. Hey, you know what? The the court system is not Burger King, Hunter. You know, you don't get to have it your way. Um, but we'll talk a lot about that in just a little bit. And uh, that song was All I Need. You know what? All I need is someone to make me feel good. And, uh, you know, until, you know, in the morning you can let me down. And uh, I think that's uh, what the Democrats got convinced that Biden was going to do. Hey, you know what? All I need is for you to not do mean tweets and and then uh, and you know not have orange orange uh, makeup on when you go on camera and i just want you to be nice to me and i don't care if you let all kinds of uh, who knows who cross our border i don't care if you double the price of gas i don't care if you create wars across the across the world all i need is to make me just make me feel good and when the and when the chinese show up at my front door and kick me out of my house and uh, i have to learn chinese or my kids do you know i'll deal with it at that time you know it's amazing it, it's amazing what where we are and how we got here and you know what apparently half of this country still thinks that's okay and well, you know what? Everyone's got an opinion, and uh, I feel like everybody has the has the right to mine. And uh, so I'm going to give you my opinion and all that stuff. It just it just amazes me that uh, so many people just hate. Ignorance is bliss, you know. As long as I close my eyes and I don't pay attention, it's not happening until it knocks on my door, till they come in and kick me out because they don't have room for. And they don't have room for uh, illegal aliens to, they have to sleep on the streets and it's raining. And, uh, you know, hey, excuse me, this is the American government. We're kicking you out so we can put these illegal aliens in your house. When that happens, that's when you'll, that's when you'll figure out that this stuff does mean something to you. So anyway, I'm going to, before I go any further, let me introduce myself to those who don't know me. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage Corporation. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and as the interest rates go down, there are fantastic opportunities. If you if you need financing on uh, purchasing a house that you'd like to own or refinancing a house that you already own, and whether that's in California or another one, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night toll free area code 855-640-2020-640-2020 some of you guys uh, email back and forth with me and i say hey just call me what's your number i don't know i've been saying it on the radio every week for uh 16 years and two weeks now so uh 855-640-2020 if you want to talk with me but you don't want to get on the get on the phone just yet and have me hear your voice and Find out maybe we we uh, you know are in the in the checkout line at the grocery store. Don't worry, I don't go to the grocery store very often. But go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and do the cyber thing. Put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If there's any part of the show you missed, or you'd like to hear it again, or you just missed the whole show, uh, stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well, well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that purple, uh, that purple icon that's on your phone, whether you have an iPhone or a, uh, or a, a Droid or whatever they call the Samsung thing. Um, go there and just, uh, just search Ed Hoffman, the main event, and you'll find, you'll find a, I don't know, a 15-year-old picture of me on there. 
and uh, it'll make you think I'm younger than I am. Um, and you can subscribe for free, and it'll download once a week. I record on Friday mornings, and it uploads Friday afternoon. It'll download to your device, your computer, your your phone, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, anything that you're listening to podcasts on. It'll download shortly thereafter, and you can listen to it on demand. If you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net, and uh, I get all those all those comments. So. Um, if you're trying to get in touch with me, it's not too hard. Um, so let's talk about what's going on this week. Uh, just another week in the Biden administration where no one is accountable for anything that happens on their watch, which is what we've been experiencing for three years. The latest debacle was a mystery surrounding the absence of Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin over New Year's, which became which came to light on January 2nd. When Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks was unexpectedly asked to assume his duties but she was on vacation in Puerto Rico. Does anybody in this administration work ever? They're all on uh, paternity leave or vacation or sick leave or, uh, hey, I deserve a vacation in uh, Delaware on the beach. So Hicks was never told why she was asked to step in and, uh, and the American people were simply told that Austin was hospitalized for a quote unquote elective procedure. Now, normally we think of an elective procedure as a, uh, by the, as a, you know, a cause, as a cosmetic surgery, an elective procedure is a nose job, LASIK eye surgery, or dental veneers to make your uh, teeth look like uh, Hollywood people. Um, an elect- elective procedure is not normally considered a prostate cancer removal, which is what we learned on Tuesday was the actual surgery for Secretary Austin that he underwent. Apparently... Um, Apparently, from what I'm told, prostate surgery, prostate cancer goes so slowly that it's not an emergency, so they consider it elective, so you just schedule it whenever it's convenient for you, and apparently the holidays was convenient for Lloyd Austin. Technically, Austin had the surgery back on December 22nd and was hospitalized on New Year's Day for urinary tract infection that developed during his recovery at home. Is any of this our business? I don't think so. But the Biden administration bundles these situations so badly that they make the American people suspicious. So then they're forced to come clean in a press briefing, drawing more and more attention to the matter and making it look even worse. You know, just tell us what's going on. You know, and that's what happened on Tuesday of this week when the media's fervor for getting to the bottom of where the secretary of defense was hit its peak. At that point, Pentagon Press Secretary Major General Pat Ryder held a briefing that revealed Austin's surgery and condition. But don't worry, the United States had positive control over national security, despite Austin's chief of staff being MIA as well, when, uh, which accounted for the gap in the notifying the Deputy Secretary Hicks and the White House. At no time uh, was there any gap. No, no time was national security in jeopardy. There was positive control the entire time. The best I can tell you is that the secretary's chief of staff was ill with the flu, uh, which affected the notification timelines. Whose decision was it not to alert the president that the defense secretary had prostate cancer? We're providing that information to you as we've received it. Um, we received that this afternoon and, and we're providing it to you now. Clearly you didn't know. Did the chief of staff, did the chief of staff know? I'm not going to go into the specifics on who specifically knew what, when, and where. Yeah, they don't have it. They don't have it. Uh, they're not going to go into the specifics because they don't know. 
you know what? This is just irresponsible. And I don't care that the people don't know, but the president, the president of the United States, that bumbly, fumbly Mr. Magoo figure that is a, really a sprig of broccoli with a face on it, um, that doesn't know what's going on, doesn't he meet with his cabinet? You know, I heard, uh, I heard uh, President George W. Bush speak one time. And uh, I actually heard him speak two times, and I read his whole book. But he says, you know, the secret to being present is surrounding surrounding yourself with people smarter than you and then listening to them. So the object of the game is you hire someone who really understands defense better than you do and put him as secretary of defense. You, you put someone who understands economics better than you, and you make them the secretary of the treasury. And you put people in these positions – not because they're gay or because they're black or because they're female or because they're Asian or because whatever. You put people in there that are competent for the departments they're leading. And then you meet with them. The president's supposed to be the last word on it. So you surround, your, you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and you have cabinet meetings. How did Secretary Austin evade President Biden for this long. I don't understand that. Who's running our country? So about that gap in the White House's notification, John Kirby, who loves to talk down to us every chance he gets, can't even nail down what day the president was told. Was it Thursday? Was it Friday? Who knows? Listen to this. The president has known um, for, I guess, five days now that Secretary Austin was in the hospital, but he wasn't informed why. He was not informed until last Friday that Secretary Austin was in the hospital. Last week, we learned that uh, Jake Sullivan, I believe, found out about um, the fact that Secretary Austin was hospitalized on Thursday morning. So just want to clarify, are you saying the president found out a day later than uh, the NSC did? They informed the president directly Thursday evening. So was it Thursday evening or was it Friday? You know, so he had surgery on the 22nd of December. Did he know about the, the surgery? So the 22nd of December. Then then nine days later, or 10 days later, they check him into the hospital for a uh, urinary, urinary tract infection. And then the president got notified on Friday, which was the 5th. So how, how long does the president go without talking to his cabinet? Especially when there's a war in, in Israel and Gaza and there's a war in Ukraine and, you know, we've got threats all over the world caused by idiots, idiot sprigs of broccoli being in the, in the White House and, uh, you know, uh, uh, de-terrorizing the Houthis and, and just basically turning off everything that President Trump did. There's there's unrest everywhere, and I would think the Secretary of Defense would be a pretty damn important person to the president while that's all going on. So meanwhile, here's what's going on while things were totally totally under control, and the uh, and the Secretary of Defense was under general anesthesia or in the hospital or uh, you know uh, convalescing at home, and his uh, chief of staff was. Was uh, had the flu, and his uh, and his uh, his deputy secretary was on vacation in Puerto Rico. American forces in the Middle East were attacked eight times during that time. 
that uh, he was that he spent in the hospital before resuming his job from the hospital on Friday. Fox News has learned. So he's laying in the hospital bed, acting as Secretary of Defense. You'd think. I've been in the hospital a few times, had surgeries and uh, gone home uh, the same day, and I've had some where I stayed overnight. And you just don't want to deal with your work. You know, uh, I remember uh, one time my uh, my assistant called me and and asked me for something, and I said, "Hey." I started babbling some stuff, and my wife took my uh, took my phone away and said, "Jim, make a decision, because Ed's not going to." And I know another time when uh, when I got a call and uh, and I said, uh, "I'm in a serious state of I don't give a crap." So, um, you know, have somebody make a decision, and uh, you know, and so I seriously doubt that he's acting as Secretary of Defense from his hospital bed. So we were attacked eight times during that time. Five additional incidents took place after Austin resumed his job on Friday night, bringing the total total of 128 attacks since October 17th and 13 attacks since he was 13 attacks since he was hospitalized. Nothing to worry about, right? Here's John Kirby struggling a bit when questioned by Fox's Peter Ducey. What kind of commander in chief is President Biden? That at a time when American forces are under fire in the Middle East, he can go days without knowing that his defense secretary is in a hospital bed. At no time was the ability for the United States military to defend our national security interests compromised. Why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again? I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about uh, the um, the challenge to, to, to credibility by what by what has transpired here and by what and by uh, uh, how 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 hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. And that's when uh, Kirby got downright testy. But if the administration is going to go to such great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary's health. How can anybody be certain that the administration would not go to the same lengths to keep secret problems with President Biden's health in the future? If, if you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that How the administration... He's wait, 81 wait, years old. Wait a second. Just give me a second What's here, bub. There I'll get there. If, if the administration made some sort of Machiavellian effort uh, across the board to, to to keep this from getting public, then I think your question has merit and, and certainly is a fair one. I don't think it's a fair one because that's not what happened here, Peter. It's not, it's not good. It's certainly not good, which is why, again, we want to learn from this. We want to learn from this. Did he call Peter Ducey bub? Is that how the federal government works in front of the camera? Hey, hold on a second, bub. You know, hey, this is a this is something we want to learn from because we didn't communicate right. Is that like when the door falls off of a seven thirty seven, and Pete Buttigieg, you know, the uh, the uh, uh, Secretary of Transportation, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, first gay guy in our uh, in our cabinet, um, tweets out, safety is is our highest priority. Does that mean does that mean anything? You guys obviously aren't aren't double making sure that the FAA is double checking the 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 bolts and the bolts and the pins and the and the and the switches and clips on these airplanes. But you know what? 
this is what I love about Trump. You ask Trump a question and he has an answer. And if he and he knows about everything that's going on in the government. Hey, you know, what do you think about uh, this guy being in the hospital? Hey, you know what? We covered it. We had it all taken care of. We know we know what was there. Uh, you know, I put in the, the the deputy secretary. Hey, you know what? I put in the the national guard over here. I took care of this. I took care of that. Trump is is candid, has answers, and if it's something he can't talk about, he says, "Hey, I can't talk about that." But it doesn't mean he doesn't know. That instills confidence in the people. Is there a wonder why Trump's not hardly even trying in this election, and he's still going to win the primary? Because we know what we had with Trump. So anyway, let's go. Let's go on to the. Let's start with the beginning of uh, of the subject that I opened up uh, the my cousin Vinny clip about, and that's Hunter Biden. The House Oversight Committee held its scheduled hearing Wednesday to vote on whether to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress after he failed to show up last month to a closed door deposition, and they got a surprise guest when Hunter, who was not invited this time, walked right into the oversight room unannounced, taking a seat in the audience. But was it a surprise to the Democrats on the committee? Probably not. The 53-year-old juvenile delinquent man-child did not show up alone. He actually strolled in like he owned the place with a small entourage, which included Abby Lowell, his attorney, Kevin Morris, his sugar brother, Hollywood lawyer, who's producing a documentary about Hunter, a full camera crew who was presumably there filming a stunt for that said documentary, and reportedly Hunter Biden's Secret Service agents entered the room beforehand in in James Comer's words, sniffing around. And that's how we know the Democrats had to know this this was going on ahead of time. You don't bring a camera crew and Secret Service agents into a congressional hearing without someone knowing about it. So Hunter's presidents certainly added a level of intrigue to the hearing, but it also but also the Republican women of over, Oversight Committee set them on autopilot, which made me real happy because you know, hey, all of a sudden here this is, and the strong Republican women went into kill mode. The star of the day was Nancy Mace of South Carolina, who killed it despite the insufferable ranking uh, Democrat Jamie Raskin repeatedly interrupting her. Well, my first question is who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege coming into the oversight committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and- Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, um, if the, the lady recognizes, if the general lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in order? Did you keep interrupting me? I think that that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. It does not matter who you are, where you come from, or who your father is or your last name. Yes, I'm looking at you, Hunter Biden, as I'm speaking to you. You are not above the law at all. You're here for a political stunt. This is just a PR stunt to you. This is just a game that you are playing with the American people. What do you think about the fact that the chairman on multiple occasions gave this witness the opportunity to come before the full committee and he agreed to that. We issued a congressional subpoena and I know with your constitutional law background you know exactly what that means and he should have showed up and because of your vote and because of your statements you should be voting to hold, hold this man in contempt of Congress today right now. Yeah, Jamie Raskin, what a moron. Well, what about the fact that the ranking member offered him to to uh, to testify in closed door deposition or in public?
Well, you know what? There's a big difference. There's a big difference. In a closed-door deposition, you don't have Democrats interrupting you. You ask him questions, and you say, hey, what happened here? And you say, wait a minute. You said this. Let's go back to that. What happened on this occasion? And you got you got court reporters, and you got attorneys, and you got Congress people, and there's no interruption. Goes from one question to the next question to the next question to the next question, and if uh, if if the witness actually says something that brings up another question, then you veer off on you veer off in another direction, and that's how attorneys do that. Attorneys do that. I've been in I've been in depositions watching them, and I've been in depositions being the person questioned many times, and it's different than testifying in public. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for uh, this half of the main event, so stay tuned for five minutes traffic, sports, commercials, and uh, and we will go on with lots more of this Hunter Biden stuff as soon as we get back. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio, but that's all I do when I'm not on the radio, uh, other than uh, spending time with my wife and sleeping and uh, eating and that kind of stuff. But uh, if you're uh, if you're in the market for uh, some real estate financing, and whether that's to uh, refinance one of those crappy loans you got in the last two years with the high interest rates, or uh, or uh, you know picking up a piece of property before the the masses figure out that the rates went down, or if it's uh, you're trying to get out of California to to one of those uh, more America states, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. Talk to someone who thinks like you. 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net click on the United American Mortgage logo and we'll do a uh, we'll do the cyber thing. So before the break I was talking about the Hunter Biden hearing and uh how they had the hearing for to hold him in contempt of Congress and uh, Hunter Biden and his uh his lawyers his uh, his lawyer Abby Lowell and his uh, sugar brother the the guy from uh the guy from uh uh, California, who's filming a, a documentary, his sugar brother Kevin Morris, who's also the guy who gave him uh, two million dollars to two point two million dollars to pay off his tax debt when he finally got caught. He's also the guy who bought nine hundred thousand dollars worth of his paint by numbers uh, artwork. Um, so this guy, this guy probably d- uh, belongs in jail uh, as well. When uh, we get to the bottom of it, they came in, disrupted it. And uh, Nancy Mace went on the full-on attack and uh, did a great job. So she's one of my new heroes. And uh, and then the the next part of the spectacle, after uh, Jamie Raskin tried to uh, interrupt uh, Nancy Mace, the next part was the planned exit. After about 10 minutes, Hunter Biden's entire entourage stood up in unison and exited the room. Right as James Comer recognized Marjorie Taylor Greene, another one of my favorites, her turn to speak. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Excuse me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, Here goes. (laughs) Oh. I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. 
Wow, that's too bad. I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. Yeah, I wish there was more strong Republican men that would uh, be as outspoken and speak their mind uh, as there are the women. And of course, uh, you know, that's one of the things I love about about uh, President Trump. Jamie Comer, Jim Jordan, and uh, a, f- a few of the other other ones that actually have the have the uh, cojones to uh, to actually speak out, to speak out, and not not always be a hundred percent professional. Get out there and say say what we're all thinking. I love those guys. So, with reporters swarmed around them as they clearly had hoped would happen, Hunter's attorney Abby Lowell then delivered a statement from the hallway. Please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement, okay? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Let me start again. Hunter Biden was and is a private citizen. Despite this, Republicans have sought to use him as a surrogate to attack his father. And despite their improper partisan motives, on six different occasions since February of 2023, we have offered to work with the House committees to see what and how relevant information to any legitimate inquiry could be provided. Our first five offers were ignored, and then in November, they issued a subpoena for a behind-closed-doors deposition, a tactic that the Republicans have repeatedly misused in their political crusade to selectively leak and mischaracterize what witnesses have said. The Republican chairs today then are commandeering an unprecedented resolution to hold someone in contempt who has offered to publicly answer all their proper questions. The question there is, what are they afraid of? Thank you. What are they afraid of? You know what? It's clear. It's absolutely positively and 100% clear that was a made for a TV documentary movie, which I'm sure will be, you know, they're going to use that clip of, of Abby Lowell making that very eloquent speech. And they'll put that in the documentary. And I'm sure it'll come out right before the election so they can tell everybody that say that, hey, the Republicans are are just a bunch of scared, scaredy cats. They don't really want to know the truth. They'll come out with something. And nobody cares what uh, about Hunter Biden, really, anyway. Nobody really gives a gives a crap about him. But, you know, he is the he is the uh, key to what Joe Biden did to destroy our country. And it didn't start when he became president. It started far before that. Hey, we they they uh they impeached President Trump because he asked a question about this whole thing going on with Ukraine and uh it was hey, you know what's going on over there with that? You know what the the investigation and you know they fired the prosecutor. That's all he did. And of course, the Democrats got the hair up on the back of their necks and uh, their claws out, said, you're not allowed to ask those things. Well, why not? He's the president of the United States. He's supposed to be protecting us. He's supposed to be protecting our, our borders. He's supposed to be protecting our money. He's supposed to be protecting, protecting our country 
from all from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And clearly, he heard something that made a that sent up a red flag. But the Democrats impeached him on that. After Hunter's group uh, left, the, left, at least two Democrats, Jared Moskowitz of Florida and the aforementioned Jamie Raskin, used their time to accuse Chairman James Comer of inviting this whole spectacle. But I've said repeatedly, the, after the deposition, Mr. Biden can come in front of a public hearing. Mr. Chairman, I don't want to play the video, but that is not what you said on television multiple times. And we have the quotes. We can put them up. You said the witness can choose between a deposition Listen. or... Mr. Moskowitz, Mr. Biden doesn't make the rules. We make the no, rules. That, no, Mr. Chairman, you make the rules. And the rule you made is that he can choose. I, that, those, the rule is... Those were, your, those were your words. On December 6th, Hunter Biden's lawyer reiterated that Hunter Biden was willing to accept the chair's original request and once again offered to appear on December 13th or any other date in December to answer any question pertinent and relevant to the subject matter. He again raised concerns about closed-door sessions. That's what brings us to today, Mr. Chairman. Um, we, he has materially, substantially, in good faith, complied with what your requests were. Don't you find it troubling that these sitting Congress people that are supposed to be representing us are so insistent on protecting Biden's son from just having to tell the truth? This really bothers me. It really, what bothers me the most is that so many people don't care. There's so many people, people that watch CNN and MSNBC, they don't even cover this. People don't know, and they have to be hearing hearing chatter because I hear chatter. I hear chatter. I don't watch CNN and MSNBC very often, but I flip over to them occasionally to watch. But I hear chatter. I see posts on Facebook. I see posts on, on X. I see these things, and I go, where are these people coming from? And sometimes I look into it to say, Where's this coming from? And I start going, well, looking at tweets and tweets and tweets and, you know, or posts on, on X, whatever they call them now. And I start going back to the, the, to the root of, of the comments and make it, where's this coming from? And it bothers me that so many people just aren't even concerned. As the hearing continued, we heard Democrats like AOC demanding that Republicans let the man speak after he'd already left. And one more Republican had some sensible comments. That was Byron Donalds of Florida. He has the gall to show up here when we're actually discussing contempt. And he didn't stay. He was sitting right over there. He's not here now. He said he wants to talk. He could have stayed through the whole proceeding. He chose to leave. That's his business. But he was subpoenaed to come here. Back in December, he chose not to of his own volition. He's in violation of that subpoena. This isn't about Hunter Biden's white privilege. It's about Hunter Biden's Democrat privilege. Because Donald Trump Jr. showed up for five congressional subpoenas. He has the gall to come here, show up. And then when the Democrats are saying, hey, he wants to speak, he leaves. Yeah, I'm not really sure what Hunter Biden's strategy is here. And uh, does does his dad even pay attention to this stuff? Does he even have, I'm sure he's discussing it with his dad. This sure, sure doesn't make Joe Biden look any better. Makes him look like... Uh, well, the sprig of broccoli that he is. After the dramatic events of Wednesday morning, both the uh, Oversight and Judiciary Committees voted to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress. The next step is to take the resolution to the House floor for a vote by the whole chamber. It's not clear when that vote will be held, but I think it should be done pretty quick while everything's still fresh. 
If they do vote to hold him in, in contempt, Hunter will be the first member of a sitting president's family to hold this distinction, as far as we know. Oddly, the records have only been kept dating back to 1980. Contempt of Congress is, a, is punishable by a fine of up to $100,000 and up to 12 months in prison. Which uh, you know uh, his uh, his sugar his sugar brother will be the one to pay that that fine, and uh, I'm sure that uh, you know what maybe they, maybe they want to stretch this out till Biden's no longer the president, so he can't he can't pardon him. I wonder if he's able to pardon his son before he's been convicted. I'll check into that and let you know. Will Hunter Biden face uh, either of those consequences? That remains to be seen. Since 1980, the Justice Department has only sought indictment of two defendants on this charge. And they were Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro, both advisors of President Trump. Doesn't that seem peculiar? I remember Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress, but apparently they didn't convict him of anything. Apparently it didn't go, Pat, you know, for just for not showing up. Eric Holder, the the attorney general of uh, Barack Hussein Obama. I don't know. Does it seem peculiar that nobody's getting gone after legally except for Trump's people? I don't know. Just it throws up a red flag to me. Makes me say, "Hmm, this is peculiar." And Hunter's legal adventures continued in Los Angeles court on Thursday, where he had a, where he had an arraignment for his three felony tax charges and six misdemeanors. There were no cameras in the courtroom, but Hunter pleaded not guilty to all charges. Not guilty. I wonder if he asked. Uh, I wonder if his attorney said, "Oh, there seems to be some confusion." Hunter thought he was being arrested for shoplifting a can of tuna. I don't know. Um, Hunter pleaded not guilty all charges. He has now a trial scheduled for June 20th, uh, where, where he will have to go in front of a jury or, or I imagine a judge, but I'm sure it'll be a jury, and justify why uh, strippers, prostitution, and cocaine are legitimate tax write-offs. I don't know about Washington, D.C., but... In California, cocaine's not legal, and uh, prostitution's not legal, and uh, so if it's not legal to participate in that kind of activity, why would that be a legal, justifiable tax write-off? I don't know, but I'm going to be, I'm hoping it's going to be televised because I want to get better at cheating on my taxes, so, you know, if that stuff is legal, then I certainly want to, I certainly want to find out because... My tax guy doesn't seem to uh, doesn't seem to let me do things like that. So let's go on. Hunter's hearing was not the only notable event on Capitol Hill this week. Uh, also on Wednesday, the House Homeland Security Committee kicked off its impeachment effort against Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas with a hearing. It was titled "Havoc in the Heartland: How Secretary Mayorkas Failed Leadership Has Impacted the States." And it was not attended by the secretary. That's fine because we already know his mo: don't show up to anything, don't don't show up to the border. And uh, you know his mo is deny responsibility for the crisis, deny his refusal to support our border border patrol agents, deny that at least eight million migrants have been have been led into this country that we know of since Joe Biden took office. In fact, just this week, Mayorkas was at the border and he had the nerve to make this claim that he's already deported most of the migrants. Some have accused DHS of not enforcing our nation's laws. This could not be further from the truth. There is nothing I take more seriously than our responsibility to uphold the law. The majority of all migrants 
encountered at the southwest border throughout this administration have been removed, returned, or expelled. And you can guess that little clip will play on CNN and MSNBC a lot. And they'll be, they'll be tweeting out that little clip on X, and they'll be uh, sending it out on uh, all the social media because he said it, so it must be true. He's not. If it wasn't true, he wouldn't be allowed to say it on TV. And we all know that's complete BS. And so, uh, hey, hey, we've deported most of the immigrants. I have to, I have to call BS on that. Mayorkas claim is based on CBP numbers released on Monday, as reported by the Washington Post. But even that report did little to back up his boast. So here's what they said: U.S. Customs and Border Patrol has released more than 2.3 million migrants in the United States at the southern border under the Biden administration allowing in the vast majority of migrant families and some adult groups, according to the new report. Wait a minute, didn't Mayorkas just say he deported the vast majority? But this report says he allowed the vast majority of migrant families into the United States. I don't know, that just doesn't seem to, they don't seem to be consistent. And uh, and I, you know, just as curious to me, Who's telling the truth? Because when you have two separate statements like that that are are in direct uh, contradiction, somebody's lying. The figures published by the Department of Homeland Security for the first time illustrate the extent to which the CBP officials have been overwhelmed by the volume of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. The 2.3 million figure is significantly lower than the more than 6 million migrants taken into CBP custody during the same period, a number many of President Biden's Republican critics has used as a proxy for overall migration. But there's no way these numbers are reliable because it's been confirmed that there has been close to 2 million known gotaways since Biden took office. Plus, we don't know how many unknown gotaways there were either. Even the Post reported the data does not take into account the migrants who slipped past border, border guards and got into the United States. We know they're coming in. We see them. We even see cam. We even see film of them. News cameras catching them. We know there's a bunch of them that line up and get checked in, and there's a gazillion more that just get past them. The report says that 2.3 million does not include the 365,000 unaccompanied minors who were let in, got transferred to the Department of Health and Human Services, and got released to sponsors. That means adults who put kids into work, work in slaughterhouses, and as sex slaves. Uh, But Trump was the bad guy for putting them into air-conditioned shelters with video games. So can you see the hypocrisy here? Can you see the difference between what we hear on the news when there's a a Republican in charge and what we hear on the news when there's there's a Democrat in charge? Can any of you just smell it? It smells like BS to me. And it's just, it's, it's just amazing. It's just amazing what that people aren't aren't thinking like I am. You know, the, we don't know who's coming in. And as I've said the last two weeks on the radio, it's just like opening the jails and say, hey, all you criminals, all you murderers, all you rapists, all you people that the cops hunted down and the district attorneys actually, when they actually uh, enforce the laws, put in jail, we're just going to let you guys out. Why? Because it's the humane thing to do. You know, when they did that during COVID, I go, Wait a minute. They're letting people out of a closed environment. 
so they won't get COVID. Let them out into the public? Why don't they leave them in there and we can control who comes in? Why don't you just start testing people before they go to come in? Hey, you know what? Before we stick you in jail, we're going to give a COVID test. And if your COVID test comes up, comes up positive, we're going to stick you in a, uh, in a different uh, in a different cell and for two, for two weeks or three days or however long the lie was at the time, and so you don't infect everybody else. No, that's not smart way. Let's just let them all out of jail. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. It just doesn't make sense to me. Not to mention the three hundred fifty thousand migrants who entered the, entered through airports through Biden's program for Cubans, Haitians, Venezuelans, and Nicaraguans who come come by plane. In addition, the House Homeland Security Committee began impeachment proceedings. Senate Republicans are starting their own effort to hold Mayorkas accountable. On Tuesday, Roger Marshall of Kansas asked unanimous consent for a no confidence vote on Mayorkas from the floor. My colleagues and I have outlined numerous ways Secretary Mayorkas is derelict in his duty as secretary and failed to uphold this oath. We're here today because we take our oath seriously and will not stand by idly while Secretary Mayorkas threatens our national security and our democracy. For the sake of America's safety and security, we need to impeach Secretary Mayorkas now. Yeah, a vote of no confidence is like censure. Oh, slap him on the wrist. You're a bad boy. You have time out now. Go stand in the corner. Meanwhile, in New York, American citizens paid another sanctuary city consequence. An entire student body was forced to do distance learning this week when 2,000 migrants were moved onto their high school uh, campus because the tent, tent shelter at Brooklyn's uh, Floyd Bennett Field was threatened by an incoming storm. Mayor Eric Adams referred to the migrants as guests and released a statement how their safety is a top priority. Yeah, like the safety of uh, people flying on uh, 737-900s was a top priority to Buttigieg. So how did the distance learning go? Not great. Here's an angry parent plus Border Patrol President Brandon Judd and New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. We're promised the uh, remote learning experience. We are on period three right now. None of the teachers signed up for remote learning. And the ones that did uh, said good morning, posted assignments, and just left. So there is no learning today. This clearly shows that illegal immigrants are more valuable than United States citizens, including our children. These parents now don't know what to do, and we know there is a negative impact when you're forced to do remote learning. So it is unacceptable. It's impacting real people. These crises that Joe Biden has created, number one, which is the border crisis, it's impacting and hurting hardworking families. It outrages every New Yorker and every American. Yeah, especially when a lot of these parents work, so they have to send up uh, they have to set up remote learning somewhere so let's talk about uh voters in iowa will caucus on monday the only registered democrats and republicans no third parties participating in they must participate in their in their own party's caucus um apparently that means their move to make south carolina the first one uh, never happened iowa democrats dramatically changed the way they participate this year moving their entire caucus process to mail-in of course they did. What else would Democrats do? Republicans did not do this, so there's a lot of talk about the freezing temperatures keeping Republicans home on caucus day. Of course, uh, Iowans live in Iowa, and uh, and they always they always do they always vote first. They know what the weather is like in January. Wednesday night, CNN hosted an Iowa debate. The only qualified candidates were Trump. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, Trump did the, the Fox Town Hall instead. Chris Christie dropped out of the race hours before the debate, giving a speech in New Hampshire where he talked about the same thing he's been saying since the since announcing his candidacy 
Trump bad. But the impact of that event was overshadowed by him getting caught on a hot mic before walking out. Here's what he said. You know, and she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. DeSantis called me. Petrified that I would. He's probably getting out of Iowa. Yeah, on to the CNN debate where Nikki Haley repeatedly plugged her new website, DeSantisLies.com. DeSantis called Haley a liberal, and both of them carefully took their shots at Trump. Governor Haley, when, when uh, Governor Christie dropped out of the race just a few hours ago, he said the most important issue is, quote, the character of the candidate. Do you believe Donald Trump has the character to be president again? Well, I think the next president needs to have moral clarity. I think you need to have moral clarity to understand that it's taxpayer money, not your own money. I think you need to have moral clarity to understand that when you're dealing with dictators in the world, that we always have to fight for democracies and human rights and protecting Americans and preventing war. And so when you look at Donald Trump, I have said, I think he was the right president at the right time. I agree with a lot of his policies, but his way is not my way. I don't have vengeance. I don't have vendettas. I don't take things personally. For me, it's very much about no drama, no whining, and getting results and getting them done. Now he's not defending the fact that he allowed us to have $8 trillion in debt over four years that our kids are never going to forgive us for. The fact that he didn't deal with China when it came to stealing intellectual property. The fact that they gave us COVID. The fact that they've gone and continued to put up Chinese police stations and continue to threaten our military. He didn't do enough to make sure that we were really standing with our friends and doing some other things. What we need is a leader that's not looking at four years and eight years. We need a president that's looking at 20 and 30 years. Governor DeSantis, what is your response to Chris Christie? Do you believe Donald Trump has the character to be president again? Well, I'm running because I'm the guy that's going to be able to engineer a comeback for this country. I appreciated what President Trump did, but let's just be honest. He said he was going to build a wall and have Mexico pay for it. He did not deliver that. He said he was going to drain the swamp. He did not deliver that. He said he was going to hold Hillary accountable, and he let her, let her off the hook. He said he was going to eliminate the debt, and he added $7.8 trillion to the debt. So we need to deliver and get this stuff done. And I think the difference between uh, Nikki Haley and me, you know, I listened to all that litany of stuff. You know, I debated the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. Um, you know, I thought he lied a lot. Uh, man, Nikki Haley may, gives him a run for his money, and she may even be more liberal than Gavin Newsom is. Yeah, I might want to use that clip again when I have more time to, to comment on it. But just goes to show why Nikki Haley and DeSantis aren't ready to be president because they just they just babble up uh, in, inaccuracies like this. But I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, my name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again next week.